Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I've got a question about a roof. Is it possible for just part of the roof to be peeled off and re-shingled only about a 10-foot section and blended in with the other roof rather than having to do the whole roof again? I have a need for an electrical heater for our basement room, and it's only used several times a year. Could you discuss uh, electrical space heaters? My husband and I are hanging a lighting fixture, and we're trying to take the old fixture down. I was wondering if it's safe to cut the wires with the scissors on the electrical Electricity is turned off completely to the room that we're working on. Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor, along with Ken Patterson. Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. We thank you for joining us this weekend. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. We do want to take this opportunity to welcome those of you who may be listening to our program for the first time in La Crosse, Wisconsin, on WIZM, 1410 AM, La Crosse is news station we look forward to hearing from you in the weeks ahead from time to time i bring you an update on the housing market and the way the market has been for the last several years i try to do this once a quarter and you remember the last time that we spoke about this i said things were starting to change well folks things have changed with a degree of acceleration these days and many of you may have read an article that came across the uh, the wire from associated press published in a lot of papers here just in the last day or so from the national association of realtors And what they are confirming is everything we have been talking about for the last few months. And I want all of you to listen to this because some of you are buyers and some of you are prospective sellers as well. And the time may be right, not saying that it is, but it may be right in your marketplace if you're serious about doing either for you to get out and start taking action rather than wait for many more months. Now, even though the AP article indicated from the National Association of Realtors that fewer Americans signed contracts to buy homes in February, it was only slightly below those in January of this year, which was at a record pace. And that's only or exceeded that only because of some tax credits that were issued a couple of years ago. The important thing to note in that article, and I wanted to talk a little about this for those of you that may have read it, that signed contracts are 8.4 percent higher than a year ago. That means, and this is looking at it across the country, that means that there are more and more people right now that's telling you that are buying homes. They have signed a legally binding contract. And there's generally a time period, maybe one to three months, that lag between signing the contract and the sale to secure financing, people to move out, uh, various things of that nature. So I want you to pay attention. Also, when we look at home sales, these are some numbers that are important to builders and to realtors and should be to you. And I just want to educate you a little bit when you track this in the paper or the other media. It says that in February, completed sales, that means closed deals of previously occupied or existing homes, rose to a seasonally adjusted pace of just five, almost five million, which is the fastest pace in more than three years. Now, the number may not be important to you, but the fact that it's the fastest pace in more than three years should be. All of these indicators are taking us to a conclusion I want you to think about here in a moment. We know that across the country, fortunately, businesses tend to be doing better. They are hiring right now. We're not seeing the number of layoffs that we have over the last several years by those that are in the opposite mode of not hiring. They're still not laying off as many people. We're also finding that 
because of these job opportunities that more people that doubled up in housing moved into apartments, they're not able to move back into their own home. Some just getting out of doubled up housing, moving into apartments. That in turn is putting pressure on the apartment world as well. And we're seeing prices, if you're renting apartments or condos, we're seeing those prices escalate also. So that's a second factor for you to think about when it comes time to both buy or sell. And what we will see and what the realtors are seeing is that because we're seeing more contracts, we are seeing the existing homes that have been placed for sale in the market dwindle, which means there's less inventory. And in those areas where we're seeing strong recovery, that can actually hurt it because there are not enough houses in the marketplace. So if you're thinking about listing, now could be the time for you to add to that inventory because there are going to be fewer competing homes out there for you to put your house up against. Now, Realtors Group... Last week, so the number of available homes also rose 10%, which means that in certain parts of the country, it has gone up. But as a whole, it is down, that even with the gain, the inventory for homes for sale was down 19% from a year ago. That's pretty substantial when you're 19% less than what you had in inventory. More people are buying, fewer people are selling. And what all this says to you, why is this so important to both of you? It says that as the U.S. home prices continue to move up as a result of this, they have seen an 8.1% price increase in the last 12 months. So a home that a year ago was selling for $200,000, folks, is now selling for $216,000 on average. That's a pretty substantial increase. Remember, I've been telling you this is going to happen. There would be inflationary pressures out there because of a dwindling supply and readily available money. We're seeing that if you've got a job, if you can pay it back, the market's willing to loan you money today with good credit history. We're seeing prices escalate in the top 20 cities across the United States. Maybe not in your backyard, but this survey incorporated the top 20 cities. So I want you to think about that. Now, if you're thinking about selling your home, what can you do? Because you're saying, oh, that's great, kid. I've got a dwindling inventory. I've got a better opportunity to sell my house. Maybe I can sell it for a little more money than I could have two, three, four years ago. And I don't think there's any question about that. But you still have competition. You need to pay attention to just some little things that you can do that will help you. I've talked about this on recent shows. One, curb appeal. I can't emphasize that enough. Clean up the garbage and trash around the outside. Prune the shrubs. Cut the limbs. Get rid of debris that may be on the roof. Clean out the gutters. People see this from the road. And when you put that for sale sign out there, if you can't get them to stop, because the place doesn't look so great on the outside, they're never going to come see the inside, even though it may be immaculate. Maybe you hate yard work, but you love keeping the inside in pristine, new-looking condition. Folks, if you can't get them past the curb, they'll never get inside. You're not as apt to get a contract as the neighbor down the street who has a place that says, stop, look and see what's inside, because the outside is very inviting. And if you're saying, I'm not sure I want to sell this year. I I know I'm going to move here in the near future, but what can I do that may help me around the house that says I can get a little more of my money back for it? Then you want to go to a website that's called Cost Versus Value. And if you don't jot that down, you know my website, KenTheContractor.com. You'll find the link there, but it's Cost Versus Value, where they've taken many of the top cities across the country, and they've looked at the the top 20 or so remodeling items that we tend to do and where we get the biggest bang for the buck in terms of payback. Just by way of example, in the east-north-central area, if you live in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, for example, the number one item to get payback on is replacing your entry door. 
you get 79.8% of that cost back. So if you spend $1,000, you're going to get $790, $798 back when it comes time to sell the house. Now, this varies across the country because the average across the country is $85 out of every 100. So I just want you to think there are places that you can go to. There's information that you can gather that will help you determine where to spend the money that you can recoup the most of it. Even if you want to stay there another year or two, you can enjoy this. And you know that you're going to get a few more dollars back rather than putting in something that you put $5,000 in, it's only worth a 1000 or frankly, maybe it's a negative when it comes time to sell the house. But buyers and sellers both, I think the time is right for you. Take a good look around what's available to you. Start your shopping. Spring's coming, and you have a great opportunity still for some deals. But you wait another year, I'm afraid you're going to be back paying some premiums. All righty. Coming up in minutes on this edition of Can the Contractor, we're going to talk about green building. We're going to talk about using raised heel trusses that allow higher R values for that attic insulation. That's coming up this hour on Can the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Ken is here each week at this time answering the questions that are important to you at today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones right now. And it is Bonnie who's got a question for Ken. Hi, Bonnie. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yes. Ken. Hi, Bonnie. Good morning. Hi there. Um. I have um, um, an asphalt drive, uh, driveway, and it has cracked uh, right much, and I was calling to see if there was any way that you could um, cover the cement without uh, taking up uh, the asphalt. Okay, now I'm a little confused. I need you to clarify. The existing driveway is asphalt or concrete? Asphalt. Okay, and you want to overlay that with asphalt because you mentioned you said concrete. So, but you, uh, I said uh, concrete. Okay, the if you're going to overlay that with a concrete drive, in my experience, you need to remove the asphalt. Now, okay, the base okay, is the base. Yeah, the base is what's going to support that. Asphalt can, st- even though it's quite old, the fact that it's broken up and brittle, it can still mm-hmm. it can still compress and move. It can create some weakened planes, if you will, under the concrete, and that will cause some of those cracks in some cases to come through the concrete. Now, unless you're creating a heavy structural slab with reinforcing steel that may be on a a 12 inch grid or something along those lines, that would be a different story. But for an ordinary residential driveway which normally only mm-hmm. has only has wire mesh in it or maybe fiber mesh many of the folks are using today I would never place it over a uh, an asphalt uh, paved area because I know it can still give and move some now the base stone you should have stone under that asphalt and the asphalt's probably not more than an inch no more than an inch and a half thick for most residential some are 3 quarters of an inch I would have mm-hmm. that I would have that removed have the base stone below it recompacted, and they can do that with a walk-behind compactor, and then go ahead and do the forming and put the concrete down because you're going through all the same motions that you would need to do anyway to put concrete down, except you have some added labor and expense of taking that old asphalt, putting it in a dump truck, and hauling it off to be recycled. Uh-huh. All right. But if you do that, you're going to protect your investment of concrete, you may pour concrete, and it may last you and look good for a few months or even a year or so, but long-term, it's not going to hold up. Mm-hmm. All right. That's what I wanted to know. Well, I hope that offers some, some, some direction for you. Yes, I certainly thank you, and I 
enjoy your program. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your call. Bonnie, thank you. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you do want to reach Ken, you can always reach him, as I mentioned, at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can send us an email at kenthecontractor.com. And Sheila's got a problem now, Ken. It's one that probably not one we all want to deal with. No, but I expect that most of us, especially if we're on uh, city, county, municipal water, we have, and Sheila writes to us out of Washington, D.C. She said, my husband and I noticed something sand-like in our drinking water this week, and the water also appears cloudy. said, we've never had this problem. Is it our house pipes, or is it the water supply? Where do we start, or who do we call? Well, Sheila, you raise a very good question, and people that are accustomed to well water from time to time may experience some similar issues, but they know typically what the problem is and how to deal with that, and it may mean some filters need to be added if you're on a well. We don't typically see this when we're on domestic water systems, meaning those provided by a a city, town, or a county, a, a, a public water system. But what happens from time to time is these utilities will go through and they will bleed water lines or maybe uh, a contractor or a developer that has added a, a water line to the end, extending that. There may be just service work, a pipe that has to be replaced by the water department. And when they do that, sediment's stirred up from the bottom of these lines. Now, what you can be sure of is that the water is safe. It may be gritty, but it's all been cl- treated with chlorine and other chemicals that make sure you are bacteria-free. So that should be at least give you some consolation, but it doesn't help you when you're drinking gritty water. I would look around first in your neighborhood before you start digging through your own pipes, unless you see something evident, and see uh, or check with your neighbors if you don't know if the fire department has been through recently just uh, flushing lines, testing fire hydrants, because that stirs up sediment in a segment of the water lines. If there hasn't been a development or a maintenance item that's somewhere in your neighborhood before it gets to your house that has impacted the water. And if that's the case, you're going to find that in a matter of a few days, you're not going to have the, the grit coming through. You're also not going to see the cloudy water that you are, and it's going to go back to normal. But if you can't determine that this has been a probable cause or you call the public utility and they say, we don't know of any incident out there, then I would be looking at the water line coming from the meter into the house to see if you have a break. Is there some area where mud can be silting in, for example, to that water? And typically, that's pressurized, and that shouldn't be the case. If anything, you're going to have water leaking out but not coming in. One other key area, especially in older homes, check and be sure that you don't have a water hose connected to an old wall hydrant that does not have a backflow device on it. This can be very dangerous because water hoses can siphon water back into the house and actually get it into your water system within the home. That's the reason years ago, building codes required anti-siphoning or backflow devices that were attached to the end of water hose connections, the hose bib on the outside of the house. So you also want to check that and be sure there's not some level of contamination coming in, not only to your house, but it would have the potential then in some environments of getting back into the domestic water service. So this is a very valid question. I don't see that it's a, a serious health issue at this point, but it is something for you to look for a solution to start with the local water department, and then look at your own home, water hose connections, and the lines from your house. But whatever you do, be sure that it's resolved to your satisfaction. We appreciate you listening, and thanks for writing to us. Yes, we do appreciate you listening to WKCW 1420 AM out of Warrington, Virginia. And as we mentioned, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975, or your emails are welcome at KenTheContractor.com. And also, you can friend us on Facebook at KenTheContractor, and follow us on Twitter 
at Ken Answers. And we do want to remind you as you're out and about putting uh, together the materials you need for your project this weekend, always can look for that Made in the USA label. Hey, this is one reason I believe that we're finding more and more manufacturers, businesses around this country hiring people. We've talked about that in previous segments and, and what's going on in the housing market. And that's because we are reinvesting in America. We are spending our dollars buying American-made products, putting our friends and neighbors and maybe ourselves back to work in this country. And you see how this dollar circulates, how it pays off not only in your community, but from coast to coast. So do your part. Buy American-made products. It's very easy today. You're going to find the American flag in many cases on the box, on the packaging. And if nothing else, you're apt to find it with most of your local vendors right there on the SKU ticket on the shelf. So buy Made in American products. Well, and I think one thing we've also seen over the course of the last couple of years at some times, you had to sacrifice either quality or choice when you wanted to go out and make the conscious decision of buying products made in America. But we've seen that turn around drastically in the last couple of years. It's changed considerably. There was a period of time for some commercial accounts that I was buying a, a fair number of industrial products made in Belgium and other places in Europe. But I want to tell you that we're finding those products without all the shipping charges and without the customs delays and fees that you have to pay, the taxes and tariffs, we have been able to find companies now that are have ramped up in the United States that are building comparable products that are superior, that are less money, that offer the sales staff, the service, and quick delivery here in the U.S. So just because a company may not have produced for a number of years, you need to start checking now. Do I have the option of buying an American-made product? We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come right back. Don't forget, if you have a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor along with Ken. I'm Jim Britt. Our number is 800-614-2975 if you have a question for Ken. Donna joins us right now. Hi, Donna. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Ken. Um, I thoroughly enjoy your show, but i got a question. I want to install a gray water system Okay. To, to, to water my vegetable garden. This is not just collecting... Uh, rain from uh, into rain barrels. I actually want to do a cistern with a pump that I can actually collect the water from my house. What can you tell me about a gray water system? I've read a lot. Are they illegal? Are you say are they illegal? Yeah. No, not if they're done right. There, I mean, certainly you don't want to be tying wastewater back no. into anything that can contaminate your drinking waters. I just talked about a moment ago. Uh, with even water hoses can do that as it siphons uh, water back. It may be laying in a ditch or a, a bucket or something. That can be siphoned back into the house. You don't want to do that. And the same holds true with gray water. Now, for those that don't understand what we're talking about with gray water, you're looking to take the water that comes off the lavatories, the kitchen sink, for example, and you want to reuse that to water outside plants, your garden, and what have you. Right. I was thinking more of the shower and uh, my washer. Okay. Instead of, I've read some articles that you might get contaminants using your kitchen sink water. I, I would agree with that, and but that is still classified. That goes in, depending on what you have in there, that goes into the gray water category. Yes. And we're talking water that has no solids in it, that, uh, again, you've gone in and you've washed something, you've taken a shower, whatever, and you've got water that can be reused to go to the exterior. You always want to be sure that it does not. It has absolutely no opportunity to get back into your drinking water. That's where it would be illegal, if you would, because it's just not safe. Now, the the issue that I see you having in an existing home is going to be probably the, the accessibility 
to those drain lines because they are tied into a master drain system that's vented. And what that means is you're going to have to get into a shower drain. Now, a shower drain, if you're on a crawl space or a basement, that may be accessible to you. But folks that have a slab on grade, that's not accessible. The same with a bathtub. If you can access those drains and you can take that water, your plumber can come out and tie that into a cistern, then I think that is fine. I would suggest that you, and I always do this with everyone, check with your locality to be sure they don't have any special regulations or warning signs or notices that have to be posted on a cistern or a reservoir that this is gray water to be used for irrigation purposes only, for example. Because you don't want to pull this same water out and be washing your car, and you certainly don't want to be spraying it in a sprinkler system if you've got kids in the summer that are out running through a sprinkler. So it, it is an, a, a good way, just like collecting roof runoff, to use for irrigation. And I know the green building movement has really promoted this over the last few years. You said you've done a lot of reading, so I'm sure you're up to speed on it. I would just caution you on the front side about thinking this is going to be extremely economical. It may not be. It will be a good use of recycling the water. But take a hard look at your home and see how accessible those drain lines are. Well, the drain lines are, um, I, I think we can get to the the to the drain lines but i was thinking about putting in check valves so that i if i didn't want to um save this water um that i could put it back into the sewer well or you're saying if you didn't want to collect it in the cistern you would simply run it through uh, the standard waste lines that it's connected to now you'd want a right. bypass valve is all Right. Okay. And, 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 yeah, and yeah. I think that would be fine. But again, I, I suggest you go back and check with your locality. They, they may even require an engineered drawing of how this is going to be done so that they are assured or any future homeowners are assured that there's no possibility of cross-contamination. Now, other areas that gray water is used today, especially in the, under the green movement, and it's more common in newer construction because it's easier to deal with, is to take the gray water, put it back in the tanks of the commodes in the bathrooms and use that to flush because there are no solids. Right. So there you, you don't have any drinking water, and you are recycling shower water, for example, for that purpose. Yeah, I'm more interested in, in using it on my garden because rain barrels are great, but rain barrels depend on rain. You don't have the rain, then you don't have the water unless you're in the situation that I am that you have to buy it. You know, and I would add one other item that I think you probably need to check on with uh, some of the specialists, uh, Andre Viette and his In the Garden show would be a great example, is when we look at gray water use in our garden, how that may alter the pH of the soil or the growing conditions or the fertilizer that we need to add or perhaps that we would normally do that we don't need to do. Because just the soaps that we use, even though uh, they are designed to be broken down and usually septic tank safe, these are some things that I know those gardening experts would want to caution us about. So that's just a, a little tip on the side that I would want you to ask if you want to do that. But I commend you for wanting to conserve water and work your way through it with a gray water system. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It's, it's, it's going to be a process. It will be a process. It will take you a little time. But you started that process by investigating and raising questions. Thank you. Enjoy your show. Thank you so much. We appreciate Bye. you listening. Thanks, Donna. We appreciate it. Uh, time now for this week's edition of In the News. Weekly Ken brings products, trends, tips, and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, purchases, remodeling, and new construction. And this week in the news is all about ThermoTrue entry, in, entry doors. And I've talked earlier about replacing those entry doors and getting a, a larger percentage of your dollars back when it comes time to sell the home, but in the meantime, simply enjoying it. Now, home 
homeowners interested in selecting an energy-efficient fiberglass entry door and at the same time possibly saving up to $500 in federal tax credits can now do both, purchasing this newly released ThermoTrue Energy Star Qualified Fiberglass Entry Door. Now, with the approval of the January 2013 American Tax Relief Act, I've talked to all of you, and you know that many of these tax credits are back, and ThermoTrue has a complete line, not just the fiberglass door, but 96% of their doors, both fiberglass and steel, insulated doors with and without glass. They've got triple-pane glass that go in these today qualify for these particular tax credits. So, and they're also available, I think, to satisfy every opening. You're saying, Ken, that's great. I've looked at my local hardware store and all I can see is, uh, you know, six, eight doors. I've got a seven foot high door, not a six, eight. Six foot eight inches is the standard across the industry, across this country. But many of you will have seven foot openings in height. Some of you will have eight foot door height. You know what, folks? If you're looking for the tax credit, you're looking for a fiberglass door, one that you can paint or one that you can stain, ThermoTrue has that available for you in the marketplace today. And that's part of what we're seeing in the news is the energy efficiency component for so many manufacturers, not just ThermaTrue, but for so many manufacturers that have had their products on the market for years. Now they're being beefed up to meet the Energy Star rating so that one piece at a time we are making our homes so much more energy efficient. It's not always about just these tax credits. They're nice. They're incentives. But we're saving operating costs every single month. So you want to go to the ThermaTrue website, ThermaTrue.com. You can check out their whole product line. If you can't remember that, you'll find the link on KenTheContractor.com. Well, and the other thing, too. Uh, you know, these folks are all in business. They're trying to sell products, and they understand that folks are starting to seek these things out when they decide between door A, B, or C. This is what I've said for years. Manufacturers really listen to us. When you think we have no clout, as a group, we do. They change their products and they change their services because we're saying, hey, guys, this is what we're looking for, and if you can't provide it at a competitive price, we're going somewhere else. Yeah. So you really have more clout than you think. Right, and oftentimes you do it. When you're not really cognizant of it, it's the way in which you purchase products. It's not just purchasing products, but it's also the comments you may make to a sales rep, to a manager of a store. Why don't you have these things? And the other thing which becomes more and more important, and that is feedback you give through the Internet. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with more. Got a question for Ken, 800-614-2975, or emails to KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is... Ken the Contractor, a house is what you build, a home is what you make it. If you'd like to reach Ken, you can at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. We're going to have more on what we were just talking about with Don a few moments ago, a gray water system with a special guest joining us. But first, Ken, we do want to get in our green building segment this week. We do, and and you alluded to this earlier. We're talking a little bit about raised heel trusses. Now, you're saying, what in the world are you talking about with a raised heel truss? This really deals with energy efficiency and the insulation values in your attic space. Most homes, I would say probably 9 out of 10 homes, have the top cord of the truss very near or attached to the bottom cord where it meets the top plate along the outside wall. Now, what that means, folks, when you think about this, if you're a builder or if you've added insulation recently and you know that you may have 10, 12, 16 inches of insulation up there, there's no way you can achieve that 16 inches of insulation when it comes to the area immediately around the outside of the house. You may be back a foot or so before you can achieve that 16 inches, which means you have a thermal area that is deficient. It means at that point that you're going to be bringing in more cold air or more hot air during the summer months. 
And what's called either an energy-efficient truss or a raised heel truss is one that for your home addition or for your new home construction, I'm going to encourage you to consider. It actually raises the top cord. It can be raised 6 inches, 12 inches, 16 inches above that bottom cord. But yet when you see it from the outside of the house, the top cord continues to come over. It creates the eave overhang for ventilation. You have no real difference in that regard. What it does is create more room for the insulation around the perimeter of the house. So if you are in a position of putting on an addition or building new, ask your builder, your architect, or your trust company about these energy-efficient trusses. They're, they're designed, technically they're called a raised heel truss. You may find that you're going to spend just a few dollars more for those. You may have a little extra reinforcing on them, but you're going to be able to have the full thermal value of the attic insulation from one side of the house all the way to the other, not just in the inside, not just the field area. And we were talking with Donna a few moments ago about that great water system, and we're pleased to have joining us now Andre Viet, who is the host of In the Garden with Andre Viet and has been for many, many years. Andre is a nationally recognized horticulturist, the recipient of the Liberty Hyde Bailey Award, which is the highest honor given by the American Horticultural Society. And Andre, you wanted to talk a little bit about collecting this water. It's something you're very familiar with in St. Thomas. That's correct. In St. Thomas, St. John, and in the United States Virgin Islands, uh, everybody collects water off the roof. Uh, it has to be a, a, a approved drinking water collecting roof, uh, but it goes down into what we would have a basement. Instead of a basement, you would have a cistern that holds the water. And what what you'd want to do is she should collect the water off the roof. Now, the roof water is what we collect for drinking water, and we take our roof water, take it in to a cistern. But she can take it for her gray water that will dilute any of the soaps and other things that are in there uh, in what she's putting into the gray water. Some people in St. Thomas take gray water off uh, a parking lot and put it into this uh, into the cistern. And as long as the important thing is if you get enough rainwater, it dilutes whatever pollutants. And we have a gray water and we have drinking water. We use the gray water and have for years for watering plants and vegetables and flowers with no uh, no damage that we have ever seen. Um, the important thing... We have our friends at Waterworks, and they can set up. They set up a filter system for my drinking water there. But also, they can set up a filter system which would take out the larger particles and other things for your gray water. So that's a very simple way of getting not what we would call pure water for drinking, but we, what we would call. Um, of water that she could use for, and especially for lawns and flower gardens and all of those things. And if she does use roof water, which is what we did, she would probably want to get, and she plans on using it for not only vegetable gardens, but lawns and flowers and trees, then she'd probably want to put as bigger gray water system in as she could. But you certainly, you dilute the uh, whatever uh, deposits and other things that will come from either a washing machine or shower, the soaps and things like that. So the but anyway, this is very common in, in the islands, or all the Caribbean islands, in fact, because there are no wells that are drilled in these islands, no wells, and there's no city water, so you're on your own. So anyway, I think that she could have a great garden 
with that gray water system. And the real bottom line, and my concern for her, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you've called and joined us to talk about this a little bit, is that there's nothing unique or different that anyone using a gray water system to water their garden or their lawn, they don't need to be concerned about either adding additional fertilizers or reducing something. This is not substantial enough that it's going to change the pH of that soil. No, it's not going to change the pH. And and she can check with the people at uh, uh, West at uh, Waterworks and uh, uh, if she is a, a local uh, person uh, calling in. If not, you would go to a local, anybody listening in other states would go to your local a water specialist in your town and get a, a, a simple filter set up, take out the, any heavy sediment or anything else like that. But very common, you know, years ago in the valley, Ken, I mean, all these old farmhouses, they had cisterns, and, and they had a bypass valve, so when the starlings were perched on the roof, uh, you know, what they would do is it run the bypass off the downspout to clean off the roof and then put it in the... Uh, System. And that was a drinking water system, and, and that would be very necessary to treat with a proper amount of chlorine and a filter. Andre, very good. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot. Okay. Let's try to sneak in one quick email, Ken, before we do wrap up. All right. Johnson writes this one to us. He comes to us from Athens, Alabama. It says, a recent storm broke a tree limb that fell and tore off three pieces of aluminum siding. Said they are so bent they can't be reused, and I've checked around and find the size and color has not been made for many years. Do I have to replace the entire wall of that of my house on the outside? Said I really can't afford to redo it at this point. Uh, I don't have homeowners insurance for wind damage. Said I'm on my own. What do you recommend? Well, Johnson, you really aren't by yourself, and whether you have insurance or not, it's kind of immaterial here because I don't think this is as big a deal as you make it out to be in here. You don't have to replace that whole wall. I've had to deal with this on uh, older aluminum siding on houses and even metal siding on commercial buildings where you simply take these products to your local sheet metal shop, you take the profile, uh, and it, whether it's a 6-inch, 4-inch, 3-inch, it may have an extra bend somewhere in the middle, but most local sheet metal shops can replicate that. If it's aluminum siding, they'll work with aluminum. If it happened to be a painted galvanized or galvalume product, they'll work with that. And I've had very good success with that. The issue you will have will be more about the color match. And what I have told people uh, to do and what I've had success with, again, something quite old. You're going to have oxidation on it. The siding will have faded. I would take that old piece with me and then let a body shop match that color, the faded color, not the original color because it will continue to fade or oxidize at the same rate as what's on the outside of the house already. So don't start with the new color. Start with the old one. You're going to find it blends pretty well. Yeah, you'll be able to see it, but it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. Very good. Josh, we hope that helps you out. We appreciate you joining us. Don't forget, Ken is here every weekend to take your calls inside and out about your home. That wraps up another hour of Ken the Contractor. If you do have a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email us at kenthecontractor.com. For Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor.
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.